Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for June 8th, 2018. And we've got some stuff to talk about here. We're going to go over the showdown slate again, so possibly the end of the NBA Finals. And I like those with the uh, captain mode. I've had pretty fun playing those, and I like that. So go through some picks for that. I think there's some value. And then 14 baseball games to go through also. So starting with the showdown slate, Right at the top, I think we start with who do we want to play for the captain spot. And we have, to me, I like to go about this by playing one of the really high-end guys. With the captain getting one and a half points, their normal value, I think it just makes most sense to go up to LeBron, Curry, or Durant. I think that LeBron is going to be the most popular here. He's been the most popular captain play in all of the other slates so far. So it makes sense that he would be the most popular one again. Then typically we've seen Curry as the next most popular and then Kevin Durant. But the last game, Curry put up such a dud and LeBron was great. Durant was the high scorer on the slate. And I think there's so much recency bias that we're going to see a lot of people go back to Durant in this spot. Or we're just going to see people continue to pay up to LeBron. So I think that Curry could get a little bit overlooked as the captain here. And the upside for Curry is just as high as Durant or LeBron. I certainly expect LeBron to score more points. I probably think Durant in most of these situations scores a little bit more than Curry does. But if we're considering ownership, I think Curry is the best play here. And I'm not too concerned about the last shit game that Curry had because if you look through the rest of his box score, I mean, he did have at least 51 DraftKings points in five consecutive games before the last one. And, you know, it's it, it was a it was a flu. Curry's going to be fine. I think he's going to come back and have another really big shooting game. One thing I thought was a pretty weird outlier that I saw on Twitter was that so Curry in game uh, game two set the NBA record for, was it nine threes that he hit? And then he started the next game 0 for 9 from three. I think the record he broke was Ray Allen had an eight three-point game in the finals against the Spurs, I think it was. And he went, I think it was like 0 for 11 the next game from three. So I think Steph Curry is the best guy to pay up for as the captain there. Look at me, sure. Look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. If you guys only knew... How excited and how the how tight the front of my pants got to play that stupid sound clip. I haven't played any sound clips before on the podcast, or it was just there wasn't there wasn't a need to play sound clips when I'm interacting with somebody else. But now that I'm just doing it by myself, I'm like, oh, I could I could start loading some uh, sound drops onto my computer, and that'll be fun to play. It was worth it. I hope everybody else enjoyed that as much as as much as I did. Uh, but yeah, I think Steph Curry is the is the guy to pay up for as the captain, and then I do think there's enough value that you could jam Durant and LeBron into into lineups with him moving down to some of the cheap guys once again I think J.R. Smith at 3600 is a good play I've been playing him a lot for the showdown mode in the finals and I I know there's definitely a resistance people look at J.R. Smith and say ah J.R. Smith stupid mental error in game one and that drives people away from wanting to play him but the minutes are there for him I mean uh, 38 31 33 minutes in the game so far in the finals and I mean, if he was still allowed to play over 30 minutes after that, after that horrible mistake he had in game one, he came back 31 minutes in game two. Yeah, J.R. Smith is pretty much a lock for 30 plus minutes at 3,600. It's hard to see him really failing to produce decent value. If he's going to score at worst like 10 fantasy points or something like that, and the upside is like the 25 to 30 point range, 
he's he's a really good play without much risk and a lot of upside for the price tag of 3600 so J.R. Smith I think is once again a good value play uh then I look JaVale McGee 2600 this is assuming that he starts again we've seen Kerr mix up lineups and sometimes he'll go away from McGee maybe he'll start Kevon Looney uh maybe he'll put Andre Iguodala in the starting lineup uh but since McGee has started two games in a row and played decently well uh, about 17 fantasy points in each of those starts. I think we see McGee draw the start again, 2,600. I think he's another good value play. And then the final guy who I think is going to be the chalk value play on the slate, but for good reason. And this guy was pretty pivotal in me doing well in showdown contests in game three. And that is Rocket Rodney Hood at 2,200. Uh, we, we saw reports prior to last game that he was expected to take Clarkson's spot in the rotation. I brought it up on the podcast the other day. I thought Hood was a pretty good value play. And he came in the game, he played in place at Clarkson. He was a million times better than Clarkson's been in any game that he was with the Cavs. I think Hood is a much better player than Clarkson. And we saw Hood uh, 26 and a half fantasy points in 26 minutes. I don't think he'll produce quite that well, but we don't need him to at only 2,200. And then the other thing also is, once again, he earned himself more minutes. So we saw the 26 minutes. I wouldn't be shocked to see Rodney Hood end up starting in this game. Uh, at the very least, I think that he probably comes in as early as the first quarter. And I think that worst case scenario, we see like a low 20s minutes from him and he easily becomes a good value play at 2,200. So we could go McGee, Hood, J.R. Smith, and then really use a lot of the expensive guys and fit in uh, Curry at the captain spot. So I, I think that's the roster construction I really want to go with for the NBA showdown tomorrow. Uh, that's hopefully not the end of the finals because even though it's 3-0 Warriors, the games have been pretty entertaining and I've liked watching them. Uh, I'm I'm definitely anticipating seeing some terrible LeBron takes on, takes on Twitter that I'm not going to agree with. I'm sure people go, oh, LeBron lost in the finals again. Well, LeBron was awesome in these finals. He was awesome all playoffs. I did not think he, I, I didn't think the Cavs were going to have mo- much success, and they way overachieved, and it was because of him. He's ridiculous. So I'll be looking forward to that and hoping that the Cavs are able to extend the series. So moving into the baseball now for tomorrow, 14 games to talk about, and I think that there's some pretty good plays on this slate as well. There's a lot of pitching options I like, so I was really trying to pare it down to the guys who I like the most which was a little difficult to do, but I think I've narrowed it down to five guys who are the best targets on the slate, kind of in different price tiers. At the high end, we have Justin Verlander, Trevor Bauer, Chris Sale, Steven Strasburg, Jacob deGrom, Jay Happ. So amongst these guys, I don't think this will become come as much of a surprise. People have been listening to the podcast for a while. I really like Chris Sale, 11,100. He has had a couple of not-so-great starts in a row. But not the easiest matchups. Home against Atlanta, um, fairly difficult. And then he went into Houston and had a subpar game. So that's caused his price to come down a little bit. Much easier matchup for him tomorrow night against the White Sox. Who It's kind of weird. The White Sox have been the inverse of what they were last year. Because last year the White Sox couldn't hit righties at all. And they were actually kind of decent against lefties. This year, they've been okay against righties and terrible against left-handed pitching. So if we go look at lefty numbers this year, White Sox 26th uh, with an 88 WRC plus against lefties, striking out the 27.7% rate. That's the highest against lefties. Good spot for Chris Sale to get back on track. I think 11100 is just too cheap for Sale. Uh, let's see, what are... Yeah, I mean, his average price this year, 12300 and a plus matchup for him. Great spot for sale. 
should have a good game. I think that he should be the highest price pitcher on the slate. I expect him to be the highest scoring pitcher on the slate. I think he's a good option. Uh, 9,395. Okay, so there we have... Uh, Masiro Tanaka, 9,500 against the Mets. Walker Buehler, 9,300. Caleb Smith, 9,100 against the Padres. I think all three of these guys are decent plays. And I think that if you need to roster somebody in that salary, you can go to any of them. I just think there's other guys that I like more. So none of these guys are priority plays for me. The guy who I like the next most is going to be Vince Velazquez at 8,300. So Velazquez was kind of – he was a former – top prospect he was really good when he first came into the league he was really really good two years ago for the Phillies and then last year he kind of fell off a cliff a little bit but he had a shoulder injury his velocity was down it's back up this year he's been much better he's striking out a lot of guys uh, 79 strikeouts in 63 and a third innings and you look at him at 8300 so we need 16.6 fantasy points for him to be expected at value and he's done that in six starts in a row. He scored at least 17 or more. Overall scoring 18 points per game for the season. And the numbers on the Brewers this year, not really great against right-handed pitching. 97 WRC plus and 24.6% strikeout rate. So that's pretty high. Plus matchup for Velasquez, a little bit underpriced. I think that he's another really strong play. I think he's a good guy to go to. Uh, then we have Garrett Richards at 7,700 and... Frankie Montas at 7,900. I think both of these guys also okay plays. Uh, Richards, the the preference here, never have any clue what you're going to get from Richards. He is all over the place. Sometimes he comes – look at his last four games. 21 fantasy points against Houston. Fairly decent matchup against the uh, against the, the Raptors. I almost called them the Blue Jays, and he'll score 12.5 fantasy points. Then tough matchup against the Yankees. He struggles and scores basically zero fantasy points, 0.5. And then probably his best outing of the year, pitching at home against Texas Rangers, scores 32.6 fantasy points. There are negative fantasy point games in there for Garrett Richardson's game log. There's games over 30. He's all over the place, but he's priced for kind of the in-between at 7,700. So Richards is probably going to get you like single-digit points or he's going to go for like 25-plus. So for GPP... I think that he's a pretty good play. Uh, Montas is a very safe play, but I don't really know what the upside is for him, so I don't love him for GPP at 7,900. He pitched against the Royals in his last start, went eight innings, only had two strikeouts. Same matchup against the Royals again. I kind of question the strikeout upside, so Richards in this price range is really my preferred play. And then moving down, we have Marco Gonzalez at 7,100 pitching against the Rays. I just think this is a little bit too cheap for Gonzalez. I, I know that the Rays have been... Uh, better this year against lefties than we would have expected. I have said before, they have a really high batting average on balls in play this year, which I don't expect to hold up. But Marco Gonzalez has pitched fairly decent this year, and especially while lately he scored at least 22 fantasy points in three consecutive starts. His numbers for the year, 3.38 ERA, 3.22 FIP, striking about eight hitters per nine innings. So Marco Gonzalez at 7,100, another one where I just think that there's some value to this price tag, which makes him worth rostering. So overall, to recap, uh, Chris Sale, Vince Velasquez, Garrett Richards, and Marco Gonzalez, I think those are the best pitchers moving through the different price tiers to target. So getting into the offenses now, uh, three spots here that I like a decent amount. First, I'm going to start with the offense 
that I think is the best high-end play, and that is the Houston Astros going up against Doug Fister. So Fister was actually on the was he on the oh he was on the Astros two years ago he was on the Red Sox last year. Uh, so Fister this year does have a four point one three RA, but five point one three FIP, four point four three xFIP. He is giving up a lot of home runs, eighteen point five percent home run to fly ball rate, almost a forty percent hard contact rate. So Fister is getting hit very hard when balls go and play against him. The Houston Astros offense park upgrade for them going into Texas. And in addition to that, they're not really all that expensive. We've got Jose Altuve at 4,900, Bregman only at 4,200, Correa's at 4,600. He may or may not play. I kind of expect them to play at this point. The reports are he went for an MRI today, came back negative, and he's day-to-day. So I think Correa probably a little bit more likely to play than sit out tomorrow. But for these price tags, I, I think the Astros are a pretty good stack spot. We could pretty easily get them in with sale and then one of those cheaper pitchers like Velasquez or Richards or Gonzalez. So I think that's a really good starting spot to build lineups. There is a Coors game. The the Obviously, the Rockies are playing. The Rockies are always playing in all the Coors games. And then we have the Diamondbacks also playing in that game. Diamondbacks have not hit righties well this year. Herman Marquez is on the mound. He's not that terrible. So I'm just kind of hoping that he's able to keep them in check enough to where this isn't like a really high-scoring cores game because it's not a game I want a ton of exposure to. One guy that I do think is pretty interesting from the Diamondback side of the game, at least as a plug, is, plug, is Gerard Dyson's only 2,900, and he's been leading off for them lately. So if he's going to keep leading off 2,900, he's a good value play. And then from the Rocky side of the game, Zach Granke's pitching for the Diamondbacks. So I wouldn't roster Greinke in Coors Field, but I'm also hoping that he's just good enough that we don't have to worry about targeting the Rockies' offense in this spot. So the Coors game, not one I have a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of interest in, even though it has the highest over under on the slate for right now. So Houston Astros, that's my favorite high end offense, and then we have the St. Louis Cardinals going up against Matt Harvey, who has been about as bad as any pitcher could be this year. Let's bring up Matt Harvey's numbers real quick. Harvey for the year, 5.79 ERA, 5.01 FIP. He is not getting strikeouts, not really walking a ton of guys either this year. He's not generating ground balls, giving up a lot of home runs. Also a guy with almost a 40% hard contact rate. So the St. Louis Cardinals, I think this is another team that really makes for a good good stacking option against Harvey. I think that uh, Harvey's pretty much finished. I I don't really know why teams are so inclined to want to roll out guys who used to be good. The Matt Harvey that's pitching now is not the Matt Harvey, the Black Knight Matt Harvey from a few years ago. He's a completely different pitcher. He's had numerous injuries. The velocity's way down. I think people are looking at the name Harvey and thinking like, oh, we want some of that guy. Just there's no need to play him any. There's no need to roll him out there anymore. I know he doesn't want to go to the minor leagues, but to me, his career is just over. I've written him off at this point. And St. Louis Cardinals... Definitely a team in play for me. And also fairly cheap. Jose Martinez, 3,800. Marcel Zuna, 3,700. We've got Tommy Pham at 4,500. Carpenter, 4,000. So also not an expensive offense. I think a really good one to target. Uh, the final offense I'm looking at, and this is my kind of like cheap value offense for the night, is the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, so the Blue Jays are going up against Andrew Kashner. And Kashner, another pitcher who... I've stacked against a decent amount over the last couple of years. He's been outperforming peripherals 
a little bit over the last couple of seasons, but it, it's caught up to him so far this year. Actually, exactly, he's an even 5.02 ERA to a 5.02 FIP. Uh, the ground ball rate is way down this year. He was somebody who was close to a 50% ground ball pitcher, and now it's only down to 38%. So that's a little bit concerning Cashner also, and the velocity has dipped for him in recent seasons. Blue Jays, just a really cheap offense here. The one concern with them is they do like to pinch hit a lot. For like Curtis Granderson's probably going to be batting leadoff tomorrow. He's 3,500. Great guy to use in stacks. But the concern I have is that if you're using him as a one off, that he probably gets pinch hit for in the sixth or seventh inning when the when the Blue Jays go to the when the uh, Orioles go to their bullpen against the Blue Jays. So Granderson, really good value play in stacks at thirty five hundred, but I probably wouldn't use him outside of them. And then everybody else also on the cheaper end: Solarte thirty eight hundred, Teoscar Hernandez at four thousand, Justin Smoke forty three hundred, uh, Russell Martin's a really cheap catcher play twenty seven hundred. I think he's pretty good to roster. Uh, so the three offenses I like, the Blue Jays, the Astros, the Cardinals. And then to recap, the pitchers once again, uh, Chris Sale, Vince Velasquez, Garrett Richards, Marco Gonzalez. Uh, and then also I'll just say that the priorities of those guys for me, it's Chris Sale and Vince Velasquez is my favorite pitching combination. And Richards, Gonzalez, more is secondary plays. Gonzalez a little bit safer, and then Richards the more upside play with more of boom-bust potential. So that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS. That's going to finish the podcast for this week. I'll record one on Sunday for Monday's slate, and I hope you guys have a good weekend.